So welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here. We're, we're a church, a gathering of people that love Jesus and we love the mission of Jesus in this world. We're also a project, an ongoing pursuit to discover what God originally intended church to be. Like we've never been church today or tomorrow. And so we're trying to figure that out together. Um, if you're a first time guest, we're welcome. We're glad that you're here. For all you super um, technical people, you can open up your phones and go to YouVersion Bible app. And on that Bible app are our notes. And so you can follow along on those notes. And I'd encourage you to save those notes on YouVersion because when you go to house church this week, you'll have those notes to talk about. And at House Church, all we're doing is taking this passage and dialoguing over that passage. Like, what does it actually mean? Debating, talking, all that stuff. And so I'd encourage you to do those things. Uh, before we get started today, it's super, uh, uh, it's, I'm super excited and honored to announce my friends are in the house. And I, you can look around. I won't point them out. But, uh, but Mark and Amy Fellini are the executive directors for N3C Cowboy Church just up the road. And so you don't have to look very far. You can just kind of scour over maybe this way and see over here the cowboy hat. Okay, what an honor to be walking with Mark and Amy over the last, what, seven years. Our church has, has loosely been involved with N3C and Pastor Darren and Lynette Glaghorn, and what an awesome church that you guys have, and the fact that you're here with us today worshiping. Um, I will say this, like, I believe that there's certain things that God does in life and in areas, and N3C has been a, a, in existence for, I don't know how long, 15, 20 years, I'm five years off. They know the DNA of Greeley, and in fact, a lot of ways, they've set the DNA of Greeley, and so I would say very apostolic, like you guys have, have, have led the way for the church to come behind, multiple churches, and so thank you for honoring um, us today by being here in church. Can we give them a, a round to honor them? Thank you. I'm jumping in because I've got way too much that I think God's sharing us and sharing for us today. Um, we go book by book, verse by verse, so open your Bibles or Bible app to Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. We're moving through Acts. We're going to rapidly fire off into the end of Acts. It, it gets pretty fun, but this passage today, I sat with for a little bit, and then this morning, yes, this morning, I'm like, that's it. Bingo. Like, I know what you have for us today. So let me read this, and then we're going to jump right into it. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pont Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every, every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own hands, heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshiper of God. 
Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. This is a super powerful passage. You might have to read through it a couple times. I don't know how many times I've read through it this week alone, but something really jumped out at me when I was studying this passage. What do we need to know about this passage? I'm gonna put it in a really cute kind of way for all of us to understand, okay? What do we need to know? The nouns abound. The nouns, N-O-U-N-S, abound. That's super cute, and you'll remember it today, okay? What are nouns? For all you grammatical people, people, places, and things. Good, I got it right. I was like, is that a noun? Yes, okay, I got it right. Okay, the nouns abound. Let's look at the nouns of Paul's life in this passage. Who are the people? We can go through and we can look at this. We got Aquila and Priscilla. We have uh, Silas and Timothy. We have Titus Justus and Crispus. Which, by the way, the cool thing about this, this Crispus guy is he is the synagogue leader that ends up believing. Crazy. Like, Paul gets mad that no one in the synagogue is believing what's going on, and then this, this guy ends up believing. Like, that's awesome. So here's the people. What, what's the places? Well, I can think of two places here. One is Corinth. And we know that, that Paul is going on these missionary journeys and he's just encouraging the church and, and challenging the church and doing whatever he's doing to all these different churches. This specific one, though, he comes into Corinth. So there's one place. But then we also, we can get a little micro picture. It's the synagogue in Corinth. Like here's our, his two places. So we have the people, we have the places. The thing about the large picture here, the Corinth, is um, this is the largest metropolitan city in Greece. Like, it's huge. This isn't like a, hey, we're just going to a tiny little town, you know. But this is a huge metropolitan area, and so we kind of get a setting as to what Paul's walking into and the nouns of his people, places, and things. And this place of Corinth is a huge metropolitan city. It's known um, for Acro-Corinth, which is a place Acro-Corinth is an 1,800-foot mountain above the city, and it's a temple to Aphrodite, the goddess of love, where, curious enough, uh, thousands of religious prostitutes would help residents, uh, resident males celebrate immoral rites. Okay. This is the nouns of what he's doing. He sees this. He walks into Corinth. It's a huge place. And let's just say there's some odd things going on. Um, I wonder, pause. This is Corinth. This is what Paul walks into. He's here for 18 months, a year and a half. He sees this, obviously, like there's the the temple for Aphrodite and all that weird stuff going on up there. Um, And that's called Acro-Corinth. I wonder what's Acro-Greeley. It might not be an 1,800-foot mountain, but I guarantee Paul walked in. He's like, what are you doing? Like, this is, like, far from good. 
What are you doing? Are you just so deceived that you think you just sleeping with prostitutes and worshiping this fake God is, is going to fill some hole? Like, man, I wonder if his heart was breaking for this city. I wonder if our heart is breaking for the city of Greeley. What is it? What is it that you see in the surrounding area where you're like, oh no, uh-uh. Not on my watch, not in my city. Like, no way, that's not gonna be here. We're standing up and we're saying, oh no, not here. And the cool thing is about each and every one of us, like all the places and spaces that we go and the eyes that God's given us and the image God has given us and the way that we see the world, each and every one of us can see something different and we can begin to speak life into those places. And you get to, in your own little micro world, wherever you go throughout the week, you get to say, that's, a, that's an acro Greeley, and that's not gonna stand anymore. In fact, I'm gonna push back the gates of hell because that's not gonna be here anymore. Like, you get to speak life into dead places. That's awesome, what a challenge, right? So Paul walks in, and one of his nouns is this. He gets to see this. The other, so Corinth, the city. The other smaller one, his place is this. It's the synagogue. And we know from Paul, like he had this challenge where he felt like every city he went to, the first thing he did was he found a synagogue, and he started preaching this Jesus message, the Messiah message to the Jewish people. And oftentimes, they're like, get out of here. And they beat him, and they stone him and they do all this weird stuff to him but he keeps going back to the synagogue because he's just heartbroken only get his tail kicked again so he walks into this city Corinth he sees what's going on he says this isn't good goes to the synagogue and he preaches like he normally does okay so we see people we see the places of the nouns of, of Paul's life here but we also see the things and, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna configure this a little bit, so just play with me, I'll, I have liberty here, okay? So the things, I, I kinda said like the positions of Paul, and as we look at the positions of Paul, we see him as a tent maker, because he made tents, right? And we also see him as a reasoner, because he shows up into the synagogue, and what does he do? He reasons, and so I kinda say like the things of, of Paul are his positions here, where he's reasoning and he's positioning as a tent maker. In the midst of the nouns of his life, super Paul. How many of you would say Paul's like super uber Christian? I hope to be there one day. Like, this dude's the man, okay? Like, super Paul wrote half the Bible. Seems like, not quite, but okay. Super Paul, in the midst of the nouns of his life, shows humanity and shows frailty and shows exhaustion and shows frustration, this is Super Paul, who I aim to be like. I'm like, man, that'd be awesome to do and live the life that, that Paul has lived. Like, in the middle of all this, the nouns of his life, he shows frustration. He shows that he's human. He shows that he can even get very tired. Church, where are you tired and frail and overwhelmed in your nouns of life? Just think about all the places you go, all the people you know, all the positions that God's given you in. Where are you frail, tired, and overwhelmed? Maybe just in this moment, just take a second and just, God, show me, like, show me where I'm getting a little overwhelmed with my job responsibility. 
and my position and the relationships that I have. So we know the nouns abound as we look in this passage and looked in the, in the passage of uh, life of Paul in this moment. And why do we need to know that nouns abound? Well, it's easy to mistake movement for meaning. That's why. It's so easy to mistake movement for meaning. And what do I mean by this? Like, um, what happens when suddenly a noun is removed from your life? One of those things that you're like, this is foundational to me, okay? What happens when suddenly that, ma- that noun is removed, like a loss of a job or moving city or unfortunately someone dies? Like, what happens when one of those things is removed from your life? Nouns abound. They're around us every day. Like, we, mo- we interact with people, places, and things all the time. And what happens when... When one of those is removed, if, if we found our identity in that meaning of those nouns, we've misplaced our identity. Movement is simply God's invitation for us to join him. All these nouns and everything going on in our life, the things that we get to do, the relationships, the places, all that, is simply just God's invitation for us to join him in what he's doing in our life. That should not be our identity Movement is not guaranteed. Like, changing and growing is not even guaranteed. Like, this world is ultimately going to end. Movements are not eternal. So, I'm, I'm going to applaud all day long that you, you started the world's largest nonprofit that's feeding homeless people, hungry people. That's great. That's a noun kind of thing that God's doing in our life, but that's not even eternal. Like that movement is gonna stop one day and it may be when God comes back in all his glory and the trumpet sounds and we're like, yes, we're going home. Like that, your nonprofit may stop on that day, but it's gonna stop. It's not our identity. Movements are not eternal. Don't mistake movements for meaning. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the fact that you're alive and you're breathing and you can experience this moment and you can experience these nouns in our life. That's what it's about. So nouns abound in the life of Paul and in our life, right? And it's easy to mistake those moments or movements for meaning and finding our identity in those things and what we do, those places, spaces, and people, places, and things. What do we need to do about it? Here's, here's what I propose. We center on the power of God's promises for your life. Nouns abound. Don't find your meaning there. Center on the power of God's promises for your life. As Christians, that's what we can hang on to. God's promises. We can say, God, you are good and I am good because of you. That's a promise. I can center my life and my reality and my meaning and my purpose and identity on that. That's not temporal. It's not gonna end. It's not just a movement. It's a promise of God. In a world that's shape-shifting meaning and purposes and morality, the temporal just won't fill anymore, will it? Fads will come and go, won't they? I mean, I'm trying to bring the mullet back, but listen, shape-shifting morality and society just won't fill us. Why? Because we, we are already eternal beings. We already speak a different language. We already see hope when the world sees despair. 
we already speak love when they speak hate. Like, this temporal stuff's just not going to last and fulfill us. And so, church, our charge is to center on the power of God's promises for your life. And all of God's people say, that's the stuff that lasts right there. One of God's promises and challenges is found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Like We center our lives on the person of Jesus Christ, and that's who our identity is found in and nothing else, church. Because the winds are strong and the rains are consistent. Snow doesn't come much anymore these days, but the rest will. <laughs> come on, Chris, we need some snow and rain down here. We need some moisture, man. We need to do a little rain dance or something. Okay, I'm, I'm distracted, okay. The nouns abound. It's easy to mistake movement for meaning in our lives. We need to center on the power of God's promise for our own lives. And why do we need to do this? Because he created for us for relationship with him. That's what we're created for, for relationship with God. John chapter 15, verses four through five says this. We say it often here, and it starts with this beautiful word that I have a problem doing. John 15, verses four through five starts with this. Abide Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he, um, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Why would we center our lives around anything else than the person of Jesus Christ? Why would we find our identity in anything or anyone else other than the person of Jesus Christ? He is eternal. He is the purpose, and he created us for relationship with him. The rest of the nouns of life that we get to go and do and be a part of, the people we know, the jobs we have, the places we go, are just his invitation for us to join him in what he's already doing. We're already arrived because we're a son and daughter of a king most high. Take the pressure off, church. Smile. Our job is to wake up and abide with him. Man, the rest is up to him. He's God. He's got this. He's already figured this out. And the cool thing is, God knew what Paul needed. Did you pick up on that in this passage? Like Paul, God already knew what Paul needed. Paul and God were tight. It's obvious, man. Paul walked with God. But we see Paul walking into his, his nouns in this moment, for this year and a half of his life, and we see Paul self-destructing, like, okay, I think Paul needed encouragement during this time. What do you think? 
I mean, he told them, blood's on your own hands. Like, I'm out of here. You're not listening. I'm tired of this. I'm getting beat everywhere I go. I'm solo everywhere I go. Literally, he was solo when he walked into Corinth, Corinthians right here. He was solo. It wasn't until two, God sent two other people his way where it was like, okay, now I got co-laborers. Good. Like, I think God knew that Paul needed encouragement. I think Paul also in his life, if you, if you study his life to this point, like, it's in his blood to move. Like, he's going from place to place to place to different place, different place to different place. And God's like, oh, yeah, listen, I'm going to give you this little vision that we got in, in verses 9, 10, and 11 because it's in your blood to move. And now things are getting tough, Paul. But you know what? I'm going to give you a vision to stay. And so God knew that Paul needed that. Or maybe even this, like, Paul was embarrassed. That would probably be me, by the way. I speak this message every day in every city I go to and no one's believing it. I must be a loser. I'm not doing this right. Something's wrong. And so we see Paul, like, during this year and a half of his life, in the nouns of his life, maybe a little embarrassed, needing encouragement, and God gives him exactly what he needs by speaking into him that last three verses. Wow, that's a good, good God, huh? And he meets us where we're at. Nouns abound in all of our lives. It's easy to mistake movement for meaning. Our job is to center on the power of God's promise for your life because he created us for a relationship with him. This is easy to remember, like really easy to remember. Pull out your cell phone. Jay, where's your cell phone, man? Are you serious? You can't sit in the front anymore. <sighs> distract, yeah. Half of the people are on Facebook right now because I said pull out the cell phone. So I don't know how you technically want to do this. It takes me a while to figure it out. Whether you do an alarm that's going to repeat every day, like at 6.13, beep, 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 or you're going to do like a calendar reminder, or I don't know, you guys are techie. You'll figure this out. Here's the challenge, though. I would, I would put it even just for the next seven days, maybe the rest of your life, but we won't commit to that. How about the next seven days? Set an alarm right now for whatever time that just says abide. Done. Abide. Maybe multiple times a day you need this thing to remind you. Abide. Yo, 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 you're getting confused in the nouns of life, people. Abide. It's not that hard. I mean, life's hard. Life's difficult, no doubt. That is the best time to be reminded that we need to abide in him. That this movement stuff, this life stuff, is actually not even eternal. It's God's invitation for us to join him in what he's already doing, because we're already eternal beings, sons and daughters of a king most high. We already have the victory. Now, do we abide in that? Do we accept that and do we walk in that? Do we declare those promises over our lives? And so I'm asked often, because I'm just a super wise guy, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) How do I find meaning for my life? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. B. Abide. That's what you're supposed to do. Are you doing it well? 
Are you sitting with Jesus? Are you finding your identity in him? Are you learning the promises prayed over you and promised over you through all eternity? Have you realized how much God has moved heaven and hell for you? Wow. God loves you deeply, deeply. And when we can grasp that, it's a great joy to hold hands with Jesus and do anything in life. I'll go and do whatever you want from this point, God, because I know my life has meaning already. I'm already a victor. Anyone in this room need a fresh word from God today? Does anyone in this new room need reassurance and a promise and a reminder and encouragement and focus? Is that you? Raise your hand if that's you. Ask me. Let's look at the last three verses. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on. Keep on. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. Verse 10 is the most powerful verse in this whole passage. And it's God looking at Paul saying, for I am with you. Done. Keep on. For I am with you. For I am with you, church project, as you walk through the nouns of your life and you notice and you see and you be, for I am with you. Keep on, it's good, keep on and focus on me. Because of the power of God's promise in your life, he has already given you the nouns, the people and the places and the things. Your identity is already found in him. God says, I am with you. And this is a great promise for all of us. God says, I am with you keep on. Do you accept this today? This is a good word. And I would say as you look at verses 1 through 8, here's a great way for your technical people to really look at it. Because of verses 9 through 11, because of these promises in verses 9 through 11, God gives Paul verses 1 through 8. Okay, what am I saying? Because God says, I am with you and keep on, that promise, God gave Paul, verses one through eight, all the nouns of his life, to struggle, to fear, to all that stuff, to go there, to know this person, all of verses one through eight is because God was with him and said, keep on. Look at it that way. Don't look at your life as verses one through eight. Go meet this person, go do this person, go start this thing, get frustrated here, go over and do this. Oh yeah, and then God, you love me. No, 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 no. Look at 9 through 11, first and foremost, and because of God being with you and being for you, you get to do verses one through eight. That's amazing. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for today. Wow. What an identity change. What a purpose change. God, you pursue a relationship first and foremost in all of us. And so God, I pray right now as we sit here that as men and women, young and old, that your spirit would just penetrate to the hardest part of our heart, 
You'd, be, you'd begin to break out any hard scales in our heart. You'd begin to soften our heart. Give us a heart of flesh, not of stone, so we can receive this good message. God, I know that there's people in this room that maybe we even grew up in church and we grew up in a church that says do, 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 do. Achieve, 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 achieve. Do more, do more, do more. And we're stuck in that cycle. God, I pray you break that right now. Break that in our hearts and in our minds and break that for Church Project. Break that for Greeley, Colorado. Let us be a place that finds our identity in you deeply and because you are with us, we get to do God with you. So this week I pray that you whisper your greatness of your identity over us. And may we get lost in that, not in our achievements, not in our greatnesses, not in our weaknesses or failures, but may we get lost in our identity because you are with us and you tell us to keep on. You're a good, good God. Church, let's just take a few moments just to yourself, just quietly in this place. Have a conversation with God. Maybe for some of you for the first time today. You'll say, God, show me who who you are. I'm so confused. I want to believe that you're good, but all, all of my being is just hard to understand that. Ask God to show himself to you. If he's God, man, he's gonna push through that. Just be honest with him on that. Some of us in this room, maybe our hearts are so hard or we're so jaded or our theology is just so strong and solid that we maybe are more about ourselves than we are you. God, would you break our pride Would you let every one of us in this room surrender our life to you and say, God, you're a good God. I believe that you've chased after me from eternity. And God, I'm tired of living life on my own. I ask you to take control of my life. Lead me. I trust you. I long for a relationship with you. And so just if you find yourself there, just in this place, just say, God, I need you. Please forgive me of anything that I've done against your will and your way and your character. And I want to find my identity in you. God, would you show me who you are and how to love you? I I, I want to walk with you in life. For others of us in this room, I mean, God's going to speak to you just in the silence right now because I trust his Holy Spirit is powerful enough to do that. And so let's just have a, a small conversation with him in this place. God, you're a redeemer, and you re- you've redeemed our lives, and you continue to redeem us, and you redeem this place, and you redeem the city. So, God, we just come before you, and we 
ask that uh, humbly that we can just follow your footsteps in redeeming the city that we live in, the places that we work, the people that we're around, and that we continue on the path of redemption for ourselves. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I'm an excitable person, and I'm super excited. I get so excited about going to the zoo that I can't sleep the night before, and it bugs my wife, and then I'm all grumpy while I'm at the zoo. The whole thing that I was excited about being a part of. And I actually have trouble sleeping on Saturday nights because I'm so excited about being here with you guys and being a part of this church and seeing this church grow and change and evolve. There's a lot of cool things that are happening at Church Project in 2019, and I am super excited about it, and I want you to be excited about it. One of the things that's coming up real soon is January 26th is the ladies' tea, and uh, Britt is standing in the back. If you are a lady and you want to go to the ladies' tea, let stop, talk to Britt in the back before you leave and get registered uh, so they know how many people to expect and all that kind of stuff. It's going to be awesome. The next thing is we have Savor Marriage Retreat. If you've never gone on this before and you're married, you should drag your spouse, do whatever you got to do to convince them to go because it, it, it will be a highlight of your year in your marriage. I've gone a few times, I don't know, three or four times, and every time it's just like, oh, man, we needed this. I didn't realize that we needed it at the time, but we needed just this time to go eat some good food, look each other in the eye, kind of get away from distractions. Kids, if you know what I'm saying, Amen. So register. There's only four spots left, four more couples. Um, and you can do that at churchprojectgreeley.com uh, and just click on the tab for Saver. Okay. This is something that I'm really excited about. Those things I'm really excited about. This I'm really, really excited about. One of the things that I really loved about house church was when we'd do first Wednesdays and we'd all gather together, all the house churches would get together and we'd um, spend some time together. And it was just great to be able to interact with people from other house churches. And we used to do that on the first Wednesday of every month. We're going to start doing that again, and it's going to be even better than it was before. We're going to start uh, on February 6th, and it's going to be at 630 and Jeremy has a team of people. It's going to be very um, worshipful, I guess. There's going to be a lot of great worship, prayer, opportunities for people to get involved, do some things a little bit different. And that's one of the things that I love about Church Project is that we do things a little bit different. We adapt to things on the fly. We make changes when necessary. Um, we kind of go with the flow. And I feel like we're, we just follow where God is leading. So I want to end with just telling you a really cool story. We are so blessed to be at Dayspring, to be able to have access to this building and this gym. And Dayspring gives us a ton of freedom to kind of do whatever we want. Every once in a while, there's scheduling conflicts when you share a building with somebody else. And so Dayspring has basketball games the next four Saturday nights. And that's the time that we usually set up and get ready for church. 
So God conveniently knew that there was going to be a scheduling conflict before we did, and he opened up a door for us, and this is pretty cool. So there's a building downtown Greeley. It used to be a Mason's Lodge, and now um, it was bought by um, some people that we know, and they totally renovated it, and it is amazing. And we're using that building for First Wednesday, and because of the scheduling conflicts, we decided, well, let's get used to being in that building anyways. So we're going to have Sunday service for the next four weeks downtown at the Mason's Lodge. And there's two things I really like about this. One is that's a cool building. It'll be good for us to kind of get our bearings. But secondly, I love redemptive stories. I don't know that much about the Masons, but it seems really strange when I watch uh, the History Channel about the Masons. But God is redeeming that building, and he's taking that building, and he's saying, this used to be used for something else. Guess what else is going to be used for now? God's going to go in there, and he's going to change that story of that building. And there was a verse that just came to mind uh, as I was thinking about this. It's Psalm 107.2, and this is a good reminder for all of us. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And I think we have the opportunity to go into downtown Greeley, go to this new building, and redeem the story of this building. And so, for the next four weeks, we will not be meeting here. We will be meeting downtown. It's across from Lincoln Park, um, and it's right on the one way of 9th Street and... Um, is it 10th Avenue or 10th Avenue? Okay, 10th Avenue and 9th Street. It's really easy to find right across from Lincoln Park. We'll, we are going to send out reminders to everybody, your house church. If you go to house church, please be re mindful and be reminding each other about that. But for the next four weeks, starting next week, we'll, we will be downtown. So let me uh, just pray for us. If you have any questions, you can come talk to me as well. Father God, we just thank you that um, you're moving God, I felt like uh, today, as Aaron was speaking, it was like a coach giving a pep talk that we needed to be reminded of. God, you love us so much. You're changing things in our lives. Um, God, help us to be adaptable. Help us to be excited about where you're going in 2019. Help us to follow you, keep our eyes fixed on you. God, we thank you for the movement of Church Project in Greeley. God, as we leave this building, that we would be your people your hands and feet, that we would see the world through your eyes, and that we would be a catalyst for change in our community. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.